Welcome to Wellness for Entrepreneurs, where we have meaningful conversations with founders. This podcast is about exploring, educating, and empowering entrepreneurs on maintaining wellness in their entrepreneurial journey. My name is Matebe Jobo, and I am an entrepreneurship investor, scholar, and evangelist. I am your host. Entrepreneurs are passionate people. And we are relentless when it comes to working on our businesses. I read an interesting article from Harvard Business Review the other day that had the title, When Passion Leads to Burnout. And it made me think about just how burnout is something we don't speak enough about in entrepreneurship. This is the Wellness for Entrepreneurs podcast. And in this episode, we speak about how you can identify burnout as an entrepreneur, and recommend strategies to deal with burnout proactively and to assist you and your team. A week ago, I saw a neurosurgeon, a specialist medical doctor that diagnoses and treats conditions relating to the brain, spine, and nervous system. I had been experiencing unexplainable chronic pain for some time that I just could not find an answer to. So I decided to up my game, as they say. So in this appointment, I mean, I was expecting a scan, a series of scans, analysis and scientific explanations. But what I received instead was a diagnosis of none other than burnout and the need to rejuvenate. How could I have missed the obvious? The truth is, passion does lead to burnout. In our quest for happiness, we are encouraged by positive psychology to pursue the things that we are most passionate about. This not only leads to great happiness, but success as well. I mean, I've personally made this my motto throughout my career. And business ventures, I only take on projects that I'm most passionate about. But the Harvard Business Review article that I spoke about earlier identifies mission-focused or passion-led workers as those that are being highly at risk and highly susceptible to burnout. As entrepreneurs, it means that we are spotting opportunities, evaluating them, and choosing to pursue those that are aligned to our values, our passions, and aspirations. What follows this are hours of relentless effort in perfecting our products, testing them with the market, and receiving feedback, sometimes positive and sometimes negative. And so we also then have to determine in the first place whether we're solving the right problems as well. Our guests in previous episodes have discussed this journey um, and in in detail, in fact, from how passion um, is important in entrepreneurship as well as being everything in your business when you start out. Even entrepreneurial teams or co-founders go through this kind of process. So then how do we identify burnout on this journey? The truth is when you are burnt out as an entrepreneur, all those things that make you special in the first place. So your creativity, 
your ability to spot an opportunity in the market, your ability to solve problems, exercise reflection and metacognition, all of that become inaccessible to you. So it is important that we pay attention to burnout as a subject and as a topic and as a real event in our lives. According to the World Health Organization, burnout is characterized by feelings of energy, depletion, or exhaustion, increased mental distance from your job, or feelings of negativity, as well as being cynical um, related to your job, and obviously pref- uh, re- reduced professional e- efficacy. Researchers such as David Shepard and others say that Burnout can be widely accepted as emotional exhaustion. So you are depersonalized, you are emotionally exhausted, and you have a reduced sense of personal accomplishment. When we are emotionally exhausted, it means that we are overwhelmed by tasks that require contact with other people. When we have a depersonalized outlook, it means that We act in a way that is non-caring towards others and we move from positive connections with others to hostile and negative connections. Now, I want us to think about that for a little while. As entrepreneurs, we are driven by the need to accomplish our goals or the need to achieve. So for our businesses to succeed, we must focus on understanding our customers, what they need and how we can fulfill them. That does often require empathy and a level of walking in our clients' shoes. So it means that you really need to be experiencing their problems in your own personal journey. How can we possibly do that effectively if we are emotionally exhausted and have a depersonalized disposition towards others? Another thing is, as an entrepreneur, you operate on hope. And optimism. You believe that one day you're going to make it. You're going to be the next Steve Jobs. But if you're cynical and negative, you lose the very fire that your business needs to succeed. I believe that the starting point of dealing with burnout is to understand it and then to recognize it in your own behavior, your co-founders and your team. If you have a friend, a significant other, or a loved one who is also an entrepreneur, you may also help them recognize it too, because it's likely that they are so busy that they're not necessarily seeing it. Do not wait until your body starts to give you unexplainable pain until you start to look for answers. David Shepard and his colleagues found that there are three things that lead to burnout for entrepreneurs that produce chronic stress. So chronic stress is essentially from stress stress elements that have been there for some time. So the first stress element that he found was that job overloads or role overloads. And that is when a person cannot meet all the expectations of a role or their job or their tasks that they're supposed to do. So burnout is likely to happen then. Again, For me, this is interesting because as entrepreneurs, we set high standards for ourselves. Our our jobs require us to create new standards sometimes through innovation and our creativity. The challenge is that we are forced to bootstrap or even keep our businesses small 
because of financial resources. So if you are a one-man business or even a team of two to three people or a growing business of 100 people, it is likely that the standards you've set for your business demand a lot from you and your employees, resulting in what we call role overload. In the Harvard Business Review article that I, that I spoke about earlier, Dr. Caroline Elton, who's a vocational a psychologist, says that leaders must monitor key indicators in the employees, such as employees um, missing, missing work because of sickness or resigning or high turnover um, indicators and see if this relates somehow to the wellness of um, employees. I would suggest that you know, monitoring changes in behavior and general attitudes of yourself as an entrepreneur, as well as those who you work with, is important. Because when someone you know um, generally is a creative person and is always raising their hands up to solve a problem in your team, suddenly does not share his or her ideas um, as much anymore, that may start to be a sign of burnout. The second thing that we need to watch out for that can lead to burnout, um, according to David Shepard, is what we call ambiguity or role ambiguity. And that is when a person's role is unclear or the boundaries are not clearly set. For me, this is this is actually quite interesting because it increases my alert levels when it comes to watching for burnout in entrepreneurs because ambiguity or uncertain roles and environments are exactly the spaces that entrepreneurs operate in. So in my view, it's difficult actually for an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur and their teams or entrepreneurs and their teams to escape what we call ambiguity or role ambiguity. In episode six, I spoke about managing your emotions and choosing your experiences. This is important because according to psychologists, 90% of the mind is subconscious. That means your mind stores all your habits, all your ideas, how you think about yourself, traumas and experiences, all on its own without your deliberate effort. In the earlier episodes, I also spoke about creating a deliberate routine to be conscious of your thinking, your thinking patterns, and biases or errors in decision-making. Some of my guests have recommended mindfulness practices and making a deliberate effort to have a diverse range of experiences, meditation, and even using data to analyze your thinking patterns. Whichever strategy works for you, you just need to be deliberate about creating moments of connection to yourself and building that in the culture of your business, particularly when you're working on innovation and setting new standards. I have personally moved from what I call time management to energy management. This is not scientific at all. I define time management as following a to-do list and allocating dates and time slots uh, to accomplish everything on your to-do list. But energy management is choosing what is on my to-do list and when I know I'll have the right mindset to approach that particular task. 
the last element that David Shepherd writes about um, in in that contributes to stress is what we call role conflict. This is when everyone else who has a vested interest in your business uh, has conflicting demands of you or conflicting expectations of you as an entrepreneur or individuals in your team. An example could be an investor who expects you to follow a certain strategy while you know it is not personally aligned to your values or even your business or your mission. This is very common for social enterprises, for example. You must pursue sustainability, but at the same time, you don't want to lose your mission and the people you created the social enterprise for. The truth is, as you grow your business, you will start to manage many stakeholders or people who all have different expectations of you and your business. So again, this is one area that I see is inescapable for entrepreneurs. As you bring on a co-founder, for example, you're going to have to have, a, to have different views of the best strategy to pursue. You will not have alignment on all values either. In episodes two and three, I spoke about entrepreneurial team cognition or team thinking that helps founders and their teams become better together and to create working relationships that allow them to have diverse views that ultimately converge. There are definitely going to be instances that in which you won't be able to find common ground with somebody or with another party that has a vested interest in your business. Do you remember that Steve Jobs was forced out of Apple, a company that he himself co-founded, and he had to go because he had a long power struggle with um, the board at the time and the CEO at the time. Sometimes you must accept that walking away from some stakeholders um, could be a solution um, and prevent you from causing you chronic stress. I have a set of non-negotiable values that guide me in that decision. I value, I value transparency. I need to be able to trace the steps in my mind and in my heart as to how a particular decision was made and how its outcome was made. If I am working with you and I can't understand that thinking process, even though I may not necessarily agree with it, I need to be able to understand it. Um, and that is what I value most in all my relationships at work, at home, um, you know, in business, etc. The other thing that I value the most is what I call collaboration and partnership. I must be able to know that when I work with you, we are equal partners. We're bringing value and it is mutually beneficial. The moment I see that it is not mutually beneficial or that we are not um, engaging as equal partners, it means that there's a threat to how we collaborate. And again, for me, that's a situation that uh, I definitely would assess as walking away from you know, from a, a particular transaction or a particular situation. Again, these are my values. You need your own list of, your, you know, your non-negotiables uh, in terms of, you know, when you run into these kind of stakeholders that have conflicting demands of you and actually create stress over time. There are also many tools that you can use to navigate conflict in general, 
right? So please read about these. Um, not every relationship um, is served by walking away from it. So I think it's important to be able to understand these tools as well. I'll also create a separate episode for navigating conflict and seeing how how we can help entrepreneurs in this area. In closing, as an entrepreneur, your mind and your passion are your greatest assets. It's important to pay attention to yourself, to your teams, and to be able to recognize characteristics or even trends that may lead your team to burnout or yourself to burnout. As I said earlier, passion workers are at most risk um, of burnout and entrepreneurs are definitely passionate workers. So we need to be watching out for this. The most important thing is to have coping strategies that help us with the environment we work in, which, which often requires long hours uncertainty, ambiguity, and managing conflicting demands of your time um, and from your stakeholders. I really hope that this episode has helped you to think about some of these strategies that you will add and you will add to them actually by doing your own research and seeking professional help when necessary. The important thing is with burnout is to be uh, proactive with your strategies to recognize it and to respond to it. Don't be shameful about it at all. And remember the saying, if you're tired, learn to rest and not to quit. Thank you for listening to the Wellness for Entrepreneurs podcast, a space for meaningful conversations with founders. Please click on the link below to subscribe and follow us on our social media channels. Goodbye.